The Youthscape Podcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Youthscape Podcast. It is the podcast where I, Rachel Gardner, I think we've realised, tend to do most of the talking. So right now, I'm going to introduce my colleague and partner in crime, the awesome Mr Martin Saunders. Martin, take the floor. Oh, I thought you were going to go for glamorous assistant. Oh, yeah, most beautiful man in, in youth work, something yeah. like that. So, so welcome, Martin. So pretty. Um, <laughs> hello. So pretty. Do you know, um, it's a bit weird today, I'll be honest. We are um, recording in uh, unfamiliar circumstances. We are. Um, I didn't realise you were going to share that quite so early, but yeah. we are. Well, let's throw it in. Yeah, um, let's throw it in. Producer Rachel is currently reclining on a bed. <laughs> if you check Twitter, I might put a little picture up. She is. She's lying on a bed. So the first question is, have we brought a bed into no, Escape Tower? there's no bed. So why is she lying on a bed? And where the heck are we? We are all, yes. all of us, um, uh, us and six accountability partners <laughs> who we brought in. Uh, are in a hotel room. A hotel room. Yeah, we are in a hotel room. And there's nothing seedy nothing about that. Nothing dodgy at all, at all about that. Um, <laughs> so we are, are we on some great road trip? Because we've been asking our dear listeners to kind of pitch into our little pot a bit yeah. of money. So we've got like this great road trip. We're going around this the is UK. Not the, the, the Patreon fund has oh, not paid for one hotel room. Okay. That definitely wouldn't be okay. <laughs> just, just saying now, that would not be okay. No, we are on the Youthscape. Uh, board and team annual retreat where we go away with our board of trustees yeah. for one night and we uh, we have some fun and then we pray we get some input and uh, and we have a glorious time just think meeting really yes. get a chance for the staff and the board uh, to spend some time together and uh, and it's all made possible by our glorious chair of trustees who owns this hotel yes so I think we need to kind of do a big kind of whoop whoop for him because that I mean that is an incredibly yeah. generous thing so once a year we should say his name year, really rather than just sort of hinting we? at it so it's Andrew Beale Andrew Beale Andrew Beale don't tell anyone Andrew yeah. Beale love, love don't, hotels don't Hatfield. ask him for free rooms he doesn't and do it for anyone else no he doesn't give anybody else but no. isn't this amazing yeah so here we are and um we ha- we've had to do it here because normally we, we do our little interviews in our tower but my daughter had chicken pox so I was at home getting the calamine lotion out for her pox and uh, so we thought let's just tag this on to the beginning of our retreat so here we are and then the most hilarious thing lovely listeners was my message to producer Rachel Martin was great so drinks at 7pm so what time should we do the recording and, and about 3 o'clock and Martin's response was I, j- I need to make sure I can take a shower <laughs> Yeah. So between four o'clock and seven o'clock, that's yeah, a I, lot of time to take a shower. I'm very clean. And well, that, that, well, doesn't, that doesn't just happen by accident. So I think we need to get on with this podcast. Obviously, we are interrupting essential shower time. I just went and used um, producer Rachel's loo. <laughs> and I and as I did that, I thought it's the weirdest thing in the world to use somebody yeah. else's yeah. hotel room And we toilet. just sat really quietly here listening to Did you? To just listening. Well. We just thought, let's not worry about this. So uh, welcome everybody to a slightly strange position to be in for a podcast, but we're bringing you, as per usual, all the great insane chatter from us and then an outstanding guest. Before we get on to introduce to you our guest, we want to talk a bit more about trustees because yeah. the other night, actually it was last night, Martin, I didn't realise we were going to be talking about this today, but I was having a little moment last night where I was thinking back over something and I just had this wave of like, oh my goodness, there have been some people in my life who have been incredibly supportive like over years um in in stuff that i've been doing or people i love have been doing and they have been trustees so i'm we're going to name people aren't we so i'm going to name gordon and rachel matthews this incredible couple with so many things and three teenage kids at the time but when romance academy became a charity they sort of became trustees and gordon the chair of trustees and when i look back at the amount of time i was around their house like bawling my eyes out trying to work out budgets they were so kind and faithful and I think there were times they didn't have family holidays because they used a bit of their money to pay yeah. staff salaries and that's, so that is incredible. not a, a although they sound like wonderful people that's yeah. not an unusual no, story it's not. trustees are when we uh, ran the youth work awards a few years ago I remember um, sitting on the judging panel one year and uh, and we just had this uh, we had a special category for, for trustees great. and we had loads of uh, great trustees nominated and there's just waves and waves of stories yes. so there's a lot of these projects around the country 
um, uh, Christian projects, other projects which uh, which which rely on having they this could committed not run, could they, group. But governance yeah. for governance reasons, they have this board of trustees, and we are blessed to have an amazing board of trustees at Youthscape who keep us honest yes. and keep us on vision and uh, and actually don't meddle too much, which is mm. glorious as well. Um, but they but, care passionately but they about care young people, don't and they, they? And they really yeah. give sacrificially of their and time. And they're all sat around the bed, like they're all, all here. They're the all room. here just to make sure this is appropriate. <laughs> That's we right. Love, we love you all. We yeah. love you. All. So, um, Martin, have you ever been a trustee? We're doing this whole kind of be a trustee, but have you been a trustee? I have, but it's not a good story. Right? It went badly ready. wrong. Oh, did it? Yeah. Well, no, it didn't, it didn't go badly wrong. I tell you what, wrong? it's not the best kind of story because a good story is either I was amazing at it or I destroyed everything and went out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> Yeah, so at least it, at least that'd be a good story. Oh, I see. It's a middle of the road, like it's, I just. I was just a bit pants. Oh. I'm not really a trustee. I think it is a skill. Oh, okay. I think there is. Ooh. You know, I think there are skills yeah. involved in being a trustee. You Come can't, on, can't you be anyone. Who are you a trustee? Of? I was a trustee of a charity called Kick London. I um, did not know that. Brilliant, brilliant football oh. and children and youth ministry yeah. charity. But they kicked and you out. They didn't kick me out. I just sort of <laughs> shuffled off into the distance one night. <laughs> Is your name still on the things like apology for absence, Martin I don't think so. I think it just said apologies for Martin Saunders. <laughs> and, and I just was a bit ineffective. I'm no good after seven o'clock. I can't imagine. Could no, anyone I was, else? I, was I awful. can't imagine you being ineffective. I think you have to be a, a few things. I, ha- I think you have to be a really good listener. Awake. I think you have to be awake and... <laughs> you know, concentrating. Uh, and I think you have to care, passion. Well, I, I, yes. I do have some of those things, but there are obviously other elements. A football novel. You no, let's not bring that up again. Novel. Let's not bring that up again, Rachel. All right. That's enough. Oh, Shall we? Anyway, be a trustee. If you, if you, if you want to, <laughs> don't be like me. Be a trustee. It was almost a poem. Say to you like what? What is it that trustees do? Because some, because some trustee boards, they're very, very hands-on, aren't they? So like, if a new project in your town, churches have got together to launch something. I mean, producer Rachel here founded uh, uh, Make Lunch, which is just a phenomenal charity. So the people that she got on board at the beginning were really, really hands-on. Mm-hmm. Other boards are much more sort of just sort of checking the governance, yeah. checking in a few times a year. Yeah. So it just depends on what the charity is, depends yeah. on what they need. And what role, because some, sometimes they specifically need someone who's got real financial <laughs> yes. insight. Yeah, absolutely. But I think really it comes down to being able to hold yes. a vision passionately and care about something yeah. and be prepared to watch other people do that yeah. and deliver it. Yes. You know, and not feel like you need to sort of dive it. in and, yeah. and, and meddle and so on because actually it's not that's not great form for, for trustees and we certainly don't have that at Youthscape no. um, but uh, but it is something which you might want to consider if you are involved perhaps in uh, a full time Christian work as a, as mm. a youth worker or you're any other job yes. uh, it is actually a really great thing it's much needed there are so many charities around there and smaller trusts that are desperate for good trustees so mm, absolutely do it. make all the difference can't it and it's a great also I think as well um, when I was a little bit younger the first board I, I sat on I felt completely out of my depth but suddenly you're with other people who kind of raise your game mm. and I think for the first couple of years I was like I'm giving nothing and I'm getting so much but after a while then you get used to the jargon you get used to what's expected of you and you find your voice so I now sit in a board meeting and think we're going to talk about the figures I'm going to be diligent but I know that actually so and so and so and so are going to ask the big questions and if they don't then I say what would so and so say mm. but actually there's another point where I really come in because actually this is my field now it's yeah, about encouraging yeah. the staff or it's about vision so it is about knowing yourself so I think that's a great course so Martin I would like you to go back and revisit being a trustee I mean I'll think about it um, you, uh, I bet you've been on some boards there, haven't you? Especially in the old days. I bet you've been on loads of boards. Well, I've, I've had some fun. So I've been on the, the board of the Evangelical Alliance for a couple of years. And then I was on the board of, I am on the board of Home for Good. Um, I was on the board for Cinnamon Network. Um, and that's one of the first places I met you, Rachel, I think, actually. Um, but also, and um, the sex education forums. And sometimes you're on well, a board a where it's not a governance thing, but it's more kind of talking, a talk shop kind of thing. So I've yeah. Been, yeah, I really enjoy it. And I've been a governor of a school. Do you get invited to be on lots of boards? Um, actually, sometimes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I enjoy it. I bet you do. I do enjoy it. I can it. imagine that. <laughs> not much call for a token white man. Right, anyway, let's, um, let's, let's move on now from there. <laughs> Please, somebody. Uh, we've got an interview. We have! A brilliant interview. And who's doing the interview, Martin? It's, it's a brilliant white man. Uh, brilliant. It's two white men having a chat. The old order of things has returned. And, uh, and, and so uh, I'm chatting to Alex Heath, 
who works for the Northampton Catholic Diocese. I had note. I note in the interview, of course, that it is for shame the first Catholic guest we've had mm. on the Youthscape podcast. A little moment of sad repentance from both of us there. Mm. Um, but we've put it right now. So this is Alex Heath. He's got a great story, particularly his story of coming to faith. Have a listen. The Youthscape podcast. Well, I'm excited about today's uh, Youthscape podcast guest, but I'm also slightly embarrassed, which is obviously something I feel quite often, uh, because it's been, uh, we've done around 50 podcasts and we've just realised that uh, Alex Heath, uh, who's with me here, is our first Catholic guest. Um, so welcome to, much, uh, to the podcast and welcome to the legions of Catholic listeners who <laughs> I, I presume will now switch on. And listen, just just for this, but uh, but I think you know we we're in a, a different kind of church to the one we were mm-hmm. um, maybe even twenty years ago, mm-hmm. and it feels like the closeness between denominations is, is in a completely new mm-hmm. place now. So it, it doesn't feel weird at all for you to, to to come as a Catholic and be part of this mm-hmm. uh, podcast that, that maybe comes out sort of evangelical Protestant mm-hmm. um, background. Mm-hmm. Um, so so welcome. Thank you very much. And delighted to be here. Tell us a little bit about your um, your role at Northampton. Diocese. So I work for the Catholic Diocese of Northampton for the Education Office and at the moment I work with Catholic schools in the diocese supporting the chaplains obviously who are working with the young people but also with parishes who are also working with young people and adults as well and supporting them in various ways. And so um, is, is the majority of youth ministry in, in the Catholic Church, is that do we see that through schools? Do we see that through parishes? Do we see that through priests particularly? Mm-hmm. Well, what's the sort of uh, the big picture? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Um, I think children and young people have always been very kind of important to the heart of the Catholic Church. And that's been expressed in different ways throughout the centuries. Um, part of our system, I suppose, as Catholics is that we have a lot of work around what we call the sacraments. Mm. So. Holy Communion and Confirmation and Baptism and that sort of thing. So a certain amount of our focus goes on those times. Um, probably in the last few decades there's been a great push um, towards forming youth services. So we've got a great team in our diocese called NIMO, who is the Northampton Youth Ministry Office, and they offer kind of youth ministry um, in our diocese, retreats and summer camps and they go off internationally for World Youth Days and that mm. sort of thing. Mm. And a lot of other dioceses in England and Wales have a similar sort of uh, It would be fair to say Northampton has led the way, hasn't it? I think uh, yeah, you know, certainly for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. yeah. Northampton's been the sort of standout yep. Catholic diocese for youth ministry. Yeah, they've done fantastic work. Um, so my role is more, I suppose, working with the adults, mm-hmm. um, the catechists, um, doing evangelisation projects, retreats, theology courses... Um, that were then eventually filtered down. Um, but my background was, I suppose, as a young person, as a young adult, I then been involved in more youth ministry, which mm-hmm. was kind of my route into. To so, what, t- so tell us about that then. So tell us about your sort of your background. Okay, so very briefly, um, I suppose, like a lot of young people today, I had a few difficulties growing up. Uh, my parents broke up. I was homeless for a while. I was in the care system. Um, and a very sort of challenging upbringing. Um, strangely enough though, because I was, my mum's Italian, um, I was baptised as a baby. I was kind of always within the system, if you like. Mm. So I was kind of brought up as a Catholic and was uh, did my baptism, my first Holy Communion, my confirmation, and was really part of the, the Catholic Church. I went to Catholic schools and all of those things. Um, and I think for me, I realised that God was real and God existed, but it wasn't a very personal experience. Mm. And I was thinking this morning about that scripture from Isaiah where it says, I called you by your name, you are mine. Mm. And I think I didn't really understand that or experience that in any way. And one image I sometimes use is that you imagine, if you imagine the globe or the world, and if you imagine God's love like an aerosol can spraying down on the world, I probably felt that I probably caught a little bit of God's love because God loves everyone God loves the whole world perhaps a little bit would have fallen on me Mm. and he probably cared about big stuff you know Mm. like famines and wars and and that sort of thing but I had no real kind of personal experience of of God and then um, 
when I was in my late teens, um, there was a priest who came to our parish and he was very alive in his faith. And also they set up a youth group. And I know some of the stuff that you do is kind of really innovative and creative and very cutting edge. This is kind of probably more, much more simple. It's literally a guy who got a bunch of young people together we used to have, do you remember the days of cassettes? I do remember the days of cassettes, <laughs> of course. So we took, we took, our, took it in terms of bringing our cassettes to play in the, in the um, youth group stereo, sit around having chats about moral things. Um, so it wasn't very kind of cutting edge, but I think in getting people together, a lot yeah. can happen. So as well as this priest, there was a, there was a particular girl that, that I met there. She went to a different school to me. And her story was that she she was from a very large Catholic family and her sister had moved away from home and she'd encountered these Pentecostals and she had this very kind of dramatic conversion experience and was really on fire for, for the Lord and then she ended up being a lay missionary mm. so then she came back to her, her home and she would spend time with her sister my friend and as a result of this my friend was really fired up as a Catholic and Looking back on it, I can see that she really had a personal relationship with Jesus. She had the spirit was really alive in her. And I've never met anyone like this before. Mm. So there was this girl and there was this priest. And I thought, well, they're Catholics and I'm a Catholic. But they are, their Christianity is very different, different. to mine. Yeah. It actually seems to make a difference to them. And I wouldn't have really put a, my finger on it at that point. And at first I just thought, well, it's them, they're wonderful people, and of course they were. But eventually I, I began to search and I thought, well, wherever they have, mm. that's what I need too. And after a couple of years, um, I had this encounter with Jesus. Um, one of the things I've reflected on over the years is that, you know, in Luke chapter 15, we have the, the lost parable, mm. so the lost mm. son, the lost sheep, and the lost coin that are very familiar. And there are many people that are like the lost sheep and like the lost son. Uh, but sometimes I think we can be lost within the house. So the parable of the, the coin, the coin is lost within the house. Yeah. And the elder son is lost within the house. And looking back on it, for me, I was just as lost as the sheep. Mm. I was just as lost as the younger son. But even though I was within the house, so I had yeah. all the trappings. I had all the knowledge and the RE and all these are wonderful things and very good things and church experience but I was missing that kind of centre that core and I guess we have that in in every church tradition yeah we have those that grow up in church mm. and almost we we it's particularly quite mission focused quite uh, mm. evangelism focused yeah uh, we um, we almost can lose the mm. fact that these these young people just they learn all the right answers yeah um, but they never actually make the leap that we're calling others to do yeah absolutely and I think for me the I met Jesus really as the light of the world. I think I had a lot of inner darkness, you know, and that Jesus stepped into that. And it wasn't as if everything became perfect overnight and rosy in the garden, but it was a bit like, do you know, like the, the pilot light in your boiler? Yeah. Um, sometimes it goes out and you need to put it on again. It's a bit like I, would, I was a boiler without a pilot light, but when I encountered Christ, it's as if that light came on within me mm. for the first time when I met the risen Jesus. And that light slowly began to grow in me and providentially I went to university shortly after and I was part of the Catholic Society, the Christian Union and I heard some great speakers and actually bought a Bible for the first time. Wow. Shock horror as a Catholic I began to read the Bible and the Word of God really fed this and over a period of three or four years um, when I ended university I felt a call and at first I was scared stiff because I thought oh no maybe the Lord's calling me to, me to be a priest and I didn't really want to be a priest, <laughs> I wanted to be married. Um, but eventually the Lord led me into a lay missionary community and that was really focused on mainly youth evangelization, youth mission work. So we used to go, we were trained in drama and music and testimony and all these things. We went into schools and parishes and it was really peer ministry to, to young people and that was a really powerful experience. And I think because I had experienced as a young person the power of meeting Jesus, I wanted to somehow do my bit mm -hmm. to share that with other people. And I sometimes use this image of, do you know a bonfire night, when you build a bonfire, you get all the sticks for the bonfire and you, yeah. you gather it all together, but you need that ignition, you need that spark, that flame, and then it all comes alive. Mm. And I think for me, I had a lot of the firewood 
all my kind of upbringing was like lots of sticks but without a spark without a flame and I think that encounter with Jesus was like putting a match to it Mm. and then I was kind of like really on fire for for sharing with other people and and you are um your sort of tradition your wing of the of the catholic church you're, you're part of uh, the charismatic mm-hmm. kind of movement within mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. catholic church or it's sometimes called the charismatic renewal of, mm-hmm. in the catholic church so um some people may not be particularly familiar with that some people might be quite surprised there even is a charismatic mm-hmm. wing of the of the catholic church mm-hmm. um so just talk a little bit about just just describe a little bit about what that looks like and mm-hmm. yeah. and, and what's happening because there's some exciting things happening yeah absolutely uh, for me it's been very much of a journey i think my faith journey was that i kind of met jesus and then in the following years i kind of really wanted to live the gospel really wanted to live for the lord but um kept struggling with it um when i was in the mission community we lived in the peak district and where we lived was up this really massive hill and these old ladies that lived there for donkey's years would go up really quick with their shopping but the rest of us would be out of breath Uh, and i passed my driving test while i was there and i was given this really old car like it wasn't second hand it was probably fifth hand and it was uh falling to bits and i remember one day i had my foot on the floor of the accelerator and it was kind of more or less stationary on the hill because I didn't have the power to go up the hill and my Christian life was really like that in lots of ways so even though I was reading the scripture I wanted to live for the Lord it's a bit like I realized I lacked the power to live the gospel and so the more I reflected on that the more I realized what Jesus said was that we need power from on high in order to live the gospel and so I began to develop this kind of hunger for relationship with the Holy Spirit as well as my relationship with the Lord. I think I realised that, you know, to be a Christian is to be, to have the Holy Spirit, because when we say yes to the Lord and we're baptised, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit comes to live within, our, within us. So it's not maybe so much, you know, do we have the Spirit, but how yielded am I to the Spirit? You know, am I trying to live the Gospel in my own power and strength, or am I trying to live it in the grace of God and the grace of the Spirit? And over probably a period of a year or two, this question sort of rose within me. And then eventually I took part in what's called a Life in the Spirit seminar, which is there's different ways of doing it. I suppose on the Alpha course, you also have a, an emphasis on being open to the Spirit, being yeah. filled with the Spirit. The Life in the Spirit seminar is another way to receive some very simple, direct teaching about the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as Christians. And that was a really good timing for me and I I took that course just as I was beginning this missionary work. And I realised that as well as kind of the normal presence of the Spirit in our lives, St Paul also talks about there's another dimension, Mm. you know, there's the charisms and gifts Mm. of the Spirit, Mm. particularly if we want to share our faith. There's, There's all the gifts that God's given us as well as the fruits of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit just as in Acts of the Apostles we see it, it's available to us today. Yeah. So I thought, I, I need that. You want some of that. I want some of that. And so I went for this prayer. We have what's, what's called prayer for baptism in the Holy Spirit. And just before I received the prayer, someone gave me a prophetic word, which was that the Lord was going to give me a double portion, which is, I think, from, from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. One of the prophets mm-hmm. receives that word. And I was baptised in the Holy Spirit. And going back to my earlier life, it was as if... I was flooded with like a freedom and a joy wow. and I experienced the I experienced the joy of being a child of God, a son of wow. God, I suppose, in that moment. And that the Holy Spirit makes present and effective what Jesus gives to us. Because otherwise it can just remain a nice idea or a, mm. a nice theory. Um, one image that I sometimes go back to is this image of the sun. So the sun, if we look up into the sky, we can see the sun in the sky out there, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away. And perhaps that's a bit like God the Father. Mm. The sun comes to us, the light of the sun streams down to us and lights up our world. That's like Jesus who comes into the world and gives us light and has experienced the love of God, the light of Christ in my life. But if we stand out in the sun, we can feel the warmth Mm. of the sun on our cheek. and We can sunbathe and it can Mm. give us a nice Mm. suntan. And that for me is the life of the Spirit. That God doesn't want us to be distant from him. He actually wants us to experience his love. And not just an idea or a theory, but it's the spirit that gives us the experience of the love of God deep within us. And I think when I was baptised in the Holy Spirit, that's what it brought me. Mm. And it brought me an experience of the power of God in in ministry and an effectiveness. 
And since then, we've been involved, myself and my wife have been involved in charismatic renewal in the Catholic Church um, for a number of years. My wife is very involved. Um, there's a website which is ccr.org.uk, I think with a bit more details on there, and a, a regular magazine called The Good News Magazine. Um, one of the kind of key things about the, the charismatic renewal in the Catholic Church is it's at its heart, it's ecumenical. Mm. So I suppose the, the Spirit's always been involved in the Church, but historically, roughly at the beginning of the 20th century, we've seen this great outpouring of the Spirit, the birth of the Pentecostal movement, Pentecostal churches, the work of the Spirit really moving in all the different denominations. And in the Catholic Church, it was 1967, there was a retreat in, in the States uh, with university students, and they invited some speakers from other churches um, to come and witness to this power of the Holy Spirit among them. They prayed acts, the Acts of the Apostles together, reflected on it, and basically the Lord sovereignly poured out His Spirit on this group of people. And within a, a very few years, um, kind of the Pentecostal movement, this Catholic charismatic renewal spread kind of like wildfire from the States mm. to different countries. And now it's present in, in different countries around the world. And how's that received mm -hmm. by the wider Catholic Church? So mm -hmm. is it a sort of a rogue mm -hmm. element or mm -hmm. is, it, is it beginning to... Uh, as the, the word suggests, renew and change and seep into mm -hmm. the wider church? It's a good question. Um, in the early days, um, what happened just before 1967 in the Catholic Church was something called the Second Vatican Council, which was a meeting of the bishops of the Pope at the time, and they really wanted to reflect on how should the church engage with the modern world, because the world had changed a lot you know, in the 20th century and the previous centuries. And one of the discussions they had during the council was, are the gifts of the Spirit that Paul talks about, and what we see in Acts of the Apostles, are they for today, or were they just from mm -hmm. some time in the past? And they, they embraced the gifts as today, and they said, well, if we're going to evangelise, we're going to be missionary today, we need everything that God gives us, including those gifts. And so when these students had this powerful experience, got Pentecost experience, a personal Pentecost, they, they could see, with the help of their um, advisors, that on a theological level, this was sort of sound, you know, what they'd experienced, and it was biblical, and it was theological, and it was okay with the leaders of the church. It began to spread. Um, like anything else, it takes a bit of getting used to and there were ups and downs along the way. Um, but the Catholic Charismatic Renewal as a movement has been officially accepted within the Catholic Church. Pope Francis, um, some years ago, was very kind of unsure about the whole thing. Um, but then while he was in Argentina, he kind of came round to it and mm. embraced it and was very supportive of it. And just before he was elected Pope, uh, five years ago actually, I was in Rome when he was elected Pope, uh, but just before he, he became Pope, he was asked to oversee Catholic Charismatic Renewal in Argentina. Mm. So he was kind of a friend of Charismatic Renewal. And then he becomes Pope, and then now he's kind of very much supporting it um, within, within the church, and he's very ecumenical as well, so that all kind of ties in. Mm. So last year, 2017, was the 50th Jubilee anniversary of Renewal in the Catholic Church. And Pope Francis gathered with, I think it was about 60,000 um, Christians, so Catholics and Christians of other traditions in Rome. My wife was able to go. I was left at home looking after <laughs> our four children. And they had a big sort of praise party um, in Rome. They actually did it in, in, in a part of Rome where Christians would have been martyred and witnessed for their wow. faith. And he had this kind of celebration, which was very ecumenical with other Christian traditions. And they really also acknowledged the, the contribution that Pentecostal Christians and other Christians had made to this journey. Um, then they also had Mass at Pentecost with the Pope um, to, to finish off the experience as well. Mm -hmm. um, while my wife was away, um, our youngest of our four children, um, Micah was actually being potty trained, even though he was Where's this story going? three or four years old. There's, there's a reason for this story. Um, so she was off having a lovely time celebrating Pentecost with these thousands of people, and I was left at home doing the more domestic things. Um, so because he was kind of being potty trained, I was kind of carrying the potty around the shopping centre, and my, my eldest daughter was kind of getting very embarrassed about this. Oh, mm. Dad, you do really have to do this. I had yeah. to point out, well, we did the same for you actually when you were very little <laughs> and then thank the lord he cracked it while she was away so wow. she so so she came back from rome 
to this news that he'd been potty trained. It's been an actual miracle. At that moment, she said, this is the first miracle of Pentecost 2017. <laughs> so God's in, God's in the detail. And I think, you know, as a married man, kind of a more, an ordinary bloke, you know, married uh, married man with four children, I think there is the kind of the spectacular sort of dimension to life in the Holy Spirit. And there is an emphasis on the supernatural dimension mm-hmm. of the church, which we're kind of rediscovering, really. Mm. Um, but also, the Holy Spirit is very down to earth. You know, the Holy mm. Spirit equips us and empowers us in the nitty gritty of our everyday lives. You know, putting the bin out, doing the washing up, doing the shopping, being patient with each other, nursing a sick child. Um, the Holy Spirit comes to empower us mm. and to make us like Jesus, really, in in the you know the ordinary things and the extraordinary things. So for me. I understand renewal really as a, Pope Francis calls it a current of grace within the church. It's like a stream, a river that's there to renew everything. Mm. So while some people are called to sort of help promote it Mm. within the church, actually to be a Christian is to be charismatic. Mm. You know, to be a Christian is to be open to the spirit. You can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. And I think charismatics are really called to witness Mm. To, to, the, to the importance of that relationship. For me, you know, even though I was brought up as a Christian, I'd, I've missed that. You mm. know, I've missed you know, the fact that Jesus is at the centre. Mm. And I've missed the fact that actually we can't live the Christianity without the Holy Spirit. It's not like a moral code. Or it's not just a, you know, being a nice person or keeping the rules. Actually, the gospel is that God's loved us first. Mm. He's poured his love into our hearts by the gift of the Holy Spirit says in Romans 5 5 and it's in the joy of that love that we share with other people so for me it's about the fullness of the gospel really and it's it's one way you know to, to experience that fantastic um let's just go back to your uh your job so mm-hmm. your your role is faith formation mm-hmm. um uh, give me give me the full title so it's uh, advisor for adult faith formation Plus also some schools work, so that would be kind of mainly school chaplaincy work. Okay, so tell me some stuff uh, in chaplaincy that you see that, that you're doing or that you're advising on or that you've, uh, you've witnessed that you've, you feel is exciting and, and worth, worth sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we, what we tend to do is we have um, chaplains and chaplaincy teams, chaplaincy coordinators sort of around the diocese in our schools. So my role is really to, to support them. So if someone's... Um, if a school is advertising for a chaplain I'll go along for the interview we would discern with the school about who's the right person for the job and once they're in post give them some support so we offer basic training and then ongoing training once every term uh, some of that is kind of showing them the ropes and some of it is more professional development so we had a, an excellent uh, training day recently on prayer spaces in schools um, which was um, kind of a workshop day where they could, um, the chaplains could learn about this, this amazing project and all the tools available so they can set up prayer spaces within their schools. And is that something they would that they connect with and, and, Absolutely, and could work yeah. in, mm-hmm. in a Catholic school context? Absolutely, yeah. And it's, you know, even within the Catholic schools, some, some would have a very high proportion of sort of baptised Catholics within, within them, but a lot of Catholic schools would have a high proportion of Christians of other traditions, mm. people of other faiths, people of no faith. Um, and I think something like prayer spaces works really well because it's so inclusive. It's kind of uh, a great way of opening people up to the message of the gospel mm. in a very open, non-threatening way that they can engage with. So it kind of works on all sorts of different levels. It's very practical. I think often teachers and chaplains will say, give me something practical that I can take away. You know, mm. Where's the handout? Where's the resource? Mm. And all those resources are done. So I think that was a great example of a, a training day that we, we like to offer. Sometimes we do things like on music ministry or acts of worship. Um, one of the things I've been involved with, uh, which links into what we were talking about before, is trying to promote awareness of, I suppose the Feast of Pentecost in the church. Um, so we've developed um, resources around that, acts of worship and things, which are kind of takeaways that, that schools can use. I think in the Christian calendar, we have Christmas, we have Easter, and sometimes the forgotten feast can be like Pentecost. Mm. And so a number of years ago, we developed some resources around that for parishes and schools. Um, beginning at Ascension, when Jesus ascends back to heaven, mm. if you remember, he says to them, don't go out yet. They're probably fully excited and wanted to go out. 
But I know for me, there's times that I wake up in the morning full of enthusiasm and excitement. I think I can change the world. And by 10 minutes after breakfast, you know, it's all gone horribly wrong. You know? <laughs> and I think Jesus knew that, you know, they were going to get persecuted, they were going to get scourged, they were going to get rejected. And he knew that he needed something deeper than just their feelings, the mm. power to preach the gospel. They needed to wait until they were clothed with power from on high. And it says in the scripture that they go back to Jerusalem after he ascends and they pray in the upper room from Ascension to Pentecost. And they're in that upper room when the Spirit comes. And so this is very ancient tradition of a novena of prayer. In a sense, it's a bit like going back to the upper room and waiting mm. and praying again for the Spirit to come. And so a lot of us are too busy to stop everything for nine days and pray for that time. So what we tried to do was to arrange a rota so most people can pray on one of those days. Mm. So as a community over the nine days, somebody somewhere will be praying during those nine days for a new Pentecost, um, which would lead to a new evangelization. So that's an example of some of the resources that we've done. Mm. Uh, and when you, schools. just to, mm -hmm. to understand the language, it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. When you say a new evangelization, that's, mm -hmm. that might be, uh, I might translate that as revival. Um, so what, mm -hmm. what, is, what, what do you mean by new evangelization? Um, new evangelization is um, it's a phrase that's come up in the last few years within, in the Catholic Church and other places as well, where I suppose originally evangelization, if you think about Pentecost, was going to people that have never heard before, mm -hmm. never heard the gospel. So mission in the classic sense is going to other countries, to going to people that have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel. And that is still relevant and still valid. You know, there are many people that need to hear the gospel. Um, whereas there's an increasing realization that there are many people, particularly in sort of classically Christian countries like ours that have lost a living sense of the faith. So like my story, I was culturally a Catholic, culturally a Christian. I had a lot of the trappings of it, but I hadn't actually been evangelised. So the new evangelization in many ways is directed at people who are baptised that haven't encountered Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it's really re-evangelisation mm. of people in the church bit like the lost coin thing again. Yeah, so it's, it's revival inside the house. Yeah, and then once people come alive in their own faith, then they naturally begin to witness to others. Uh, Pope Paul VI wrote an amazing document called Evangelization in the Modern World in 1975. And one of the things he says in there is, the sign that someone is evangelized is that they evangelize. So if, if you've got no desire to share something, then you have to question, have I really kind of captured it? Mm. If somebody falls in love, you can't shut them up about it. Yeah. You want to tell everyone. Yeah, yeah. You see a great film, if you have a great meal at a restaurant, you naturally want to tell someone. And Jesus had that problem in the Gospels, didn't he? You know, don't tell anyone yet. You know, he heals people. Mm -hmm. says, keep, but they, they, can't, they, can't, they can't help themselves. They can't help themselves. They yeah. have to keep shouting about it everywhere. So it's a very natural thing. So a, a church or a community that's not evangelizing is sometimes a sign or a symptom that it needs to be re-evangelised. Mm. And all of us always need to be re-evangelised ourselves. We, we yeah. can never say well, we've made it, we've arrived. Yeah. And so it's an ongoing process of receiving the gospel and passing the gospel on. So I think um, as well as going out to the, to the, to the people that have never heard, yeah. it's also going to, to different sections of our societies and our churches, our communities where you need to hear it again, or yeah, you need to hear yeah, it in a new way. In a new what, way. I think one of the things about the new evangelisation is, is new in this expression like the great work that you do here, a lot of it is very creative. This, what the Spirit does at, at the creation, the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters and everything mm. came to birth in, mm -hmm. the, in, the, in the original creation. In the new creation, there's, there's natural creativity. Sometimes people say, I'm not creative. You could almost say that's a heresy. Yeah, because, I agree. Because we're made, we're made in, in God's image and likeness and God is creative. So therefore we are yeah. creative. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get in the church, we get stuck into doing the same things in the same ways. And one of the problems in the church historically is that the old ways don't seem to be working so well mm. for the newer generations. Mm. So it's not that the message is wrong or ineffective, but the way that we present it mm. is maybe ineffective. Mm. So the newness is also, it has to be new in its ardor, new in its fervor, and new, new in its expression. So we need to find new ways mm. to reach new people of today with the gospel message. Wow, I mean, there's a, an awful lot to unpack there. Um, so this might be one people need to listen to again. But uh, one more question for mm -hmm. you. Uh, and, and that is, um, many people who listen to the podcast 
are not Catholics, mm -hmm. but are uh, <coughs> based in a church, mm -hmm. and their nearest school, we're often saying on here, get into your nearest school, mm -hmm. build a connection, mm -hmm. but the nearest school might be a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. And so they might imagine, mm -hmm. I might imagine, mm -hmm. that, uh, that that's not really something that they can explore, a dynamic relationship with a, with a local school. If they're uh, an, a church of a different tradition, a Baptist church, a Church mm -hmm. of England church, uh, can the youth worker or the youth, or even the volunteer youth team from that church build a meaningful relationship with a local Catholic school? And if so, mm -hmm. how? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I mean, in, in, even in our own diocese, there's great practice of um, ecumenical relationships I suppose I think often in in other churches often the Catholic Church has learned a lot you know from other churches in terms of like cutting edge youth ministry I mean there's one school in our diocese that had um, a Christian youth worker that was actually employed by a Christian charity coming in regularly to the school yeah. um, I mean in the end um, Jesus prays in the gospel doesn't he that they, may they all be one so that the world may believe um, and that's God's heart Know, for the church. Um, at the Second Vatican Council that I mentioned before there was a document on ecumenism and actually we're all on that journey together. Mm. Things like the Alpha Course and other projects I think they're so fruitful mm. because they're so effective at bringing Christians together. And Alpha seems to be a little bit of a of a way in because mm -hmm. because Alpha HTB have done a lot of work to engage the Catholic Church there's Alpha for Catholics yep. mm -hmm. sort of slightly separate course or a slightly different version of the course so that, that is sometimes a way in youth Alpha could be a way in but, but practically mm -hmm. um, again I just feel like some of us might be a bit scared to knock on the door or mm -hmm. know who to speak to mm -hmm. or, or to feel like um, we, we might not be welcome there so um uh, is it the chaplain? Is that the person you start with? Uh, the chaplain would be a great person to contact, or the, the, the head of the chaplaincy team uh, in the first instance. I think Pope Francis is a great example here because I think there's kind of like the doctrinal or the theological kind of level, but for most of us, we're not really on that level. And Pope Francis shows the way he engage, engages with ecumenical relationships is actually through personal friendships and personal mm. relationships. Mm. And once we get to know each other, you know, the first step is sort of knocking on the door and coming in and mm. having a cup of tea and, and once we get to know each other we experience that warmth of sort of Christian mm. love for each other then we, we can go forward together mm. um, and often it starts from a relationship so um, the fact that I'm here today was, was, was as a result of the of the workshop that we had recently with prayer spaces in schools. Uh, it's producer Rachel, who's silent as ever in the corner. She's been told... <laughs> she's, she's been very modest she in the corner. But she, she mustn't <laughs> ever speak. Uh, but uh, she was involved in that. She led the day for us, yeah. Great. And then off the back of that, she said, will you come down uh, and share? And I think that's how that's a great example of how things develop. As we meet each other, get to know each other, um, in the end, we're brothers and sisters, mm. you know, in Christ. And that's what we have in common. That's what we can build on... And then as we develop those relationships, other things naturally follow. Um, and that's where the fruit comes, like yeah. in scripture, you know, where, where brothers and sisters dwell in unity, there the Lord commands his blessing. Yeah. And the more we can be together, work together, understand each other, that's when we'll see the fruit you know, that yeah. God gives. So, I mean, you quote an awful lot of scripture in the last uh, little while. Uh, you've also quoted a number of popes. It's mm -hmm. the most uh, mm -hmm. name checks we've had for popes. <laughs> it's clear that you, you are a, a great affection, obviously, for uh, the teachings of the, the popes. Is that something that uh, actually the rest of us should engage with? Is there some great teaching from the popes? You know, you've quoted maybe three or four of them mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. um, that, that, that we should be engaging with as, as a wider, a broader network of churches. Um, one of the when Pope Francis met with the renewal in um, last Pentecost 2017, one of the things he said, I think it was at the Pentecost Mass in St Peter's Square, he talks about this idea of, which is not his idea, he's taken it from somewhere else, of as Christians from different traditions, we we've got gifts to share and to give and receive from each other. Um, so, you know, we've received a lot in like in youth ministry from other churches, and. Uh, preaching and around the word of God from from other churches that that enrich us in our experience in our tradition I think in the Catholic tradition we have um, a focus on scripture but also we have what's called the magisterium or the, mm. the teaching office of the church you mentioned like the papal teaching and other documents where over 2,000 years uh, the church has developed kind of a theology um, 
over lots of different areas. Mm. And some of it is very practical wisdom. Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, Pope Francis wrote on the environment. On the environment, yeah. Um, some of the things that we're wrestling with now weren't around in biblical times, mm. you know, nuclear weapons and environmental mm. issues, some medical issues and so on. And so part of the remit of the, the bishops, who are the successors of the apostles in, in our Catholic understanding, is to draw out God's will for us through the scriptures and to present that to us in the form of church teaching. So when we're wrestling with some of these issues, the church gives us teaching and guidance mm. and wisdom so we know how to live out in those areas as disciples mm. in our lives. Um, so that's kind of a richness, I suppose, mm. that we've developed. Mm. We want, there's a very handy document um, called the Youth Catechism of the Catholic Church. If you Google it, UCAT, or Youth Catechism of the Catholic Church. There's a big hefty teaching document called the Catholic Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is a really big, thick Enormous. document, like a reference book. And then some years ago, when Pope Benedict was uh, with us as, a, as our Pope, um, some people said, well, that's great. That's a great book, but it's a bit unwieldy. Can we have the people. four dummies? Can, can we have a, a sim simplified version? So a team got together and they produced this book called the UCAT. And it's in a question and answer format. It's got nice little doodles in it. It's got lovely pictures and quotes in it. And it's a very accessible way in mm. to Catholic teaching, which draws on scripture, which draws on church teaching in four different areas, which would be Christian faith, the creed, um, the sacramental life of the church, um, the moral life of the church, how to live as a Christian, and prayer. And it's a great kind of go-to place where you can just pick out a question, mm. see what the answer is, and if you want to go deeper, it will refer you to, uh, to other areas. Super helpful. Thank you. I mean, the Pope is, he's like a rock star Pope, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, he, you must secretly be like, you know, this is, he's, this is a cool guy to have as our, as our Pope. I know, you know, all the Popes are great, mm. but like Pope Francis, mm. he is the, uh, mm. he, as I can say this, because, you know, I'm not from a Catholic tradition, he's a dude, isn't he? I mean, that's the thing, yeah. is, is like, you know, I think that's one of the great reasons why the church feels like it's got smaller in a good way, you know, the world has got smaller, mm. um, is that he's so accessible yeah. and, and ecumenically kind of, we all find these kind of touch points with Pope Francis because yeah. he's just, you know, these stories, the legends of him kind of sneaking off and <laughs> visiting homeless people or, yeah. or whatever. I think at least some of them have got to be true. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, so I think he, he is, he's an incredible um, Pope and advocate and, 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 and figurehead for the Catholic Church, but for the Church as a whole. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, as an Anglican, I guess I now call myself an Anglican, I've, I've been in lots of different churches. Um, you know, I find it really exciting to see this relationship between Justin Welby as the head mm. of the Anglican Church yeah. and uh, and Pope Francis sort of building, and they, they've clearly become friends. Absolutely, like, it's very yeah. exciting. Mm. For, and is, is mirrored by today's podcast <laughs> with, on some much smaller smaller scale, you and I sitting Absolutely. and having this conversation. So thank you, yeah. uh, Alex, for coming and giving up so much of your time. Thank you. Bless you for your work. God bless you. The Youthscape Podcast. I went very bless you, God bless you at the end of that, didn't I? It was good, it was lovely. I, I, very blessing. Yes, I think it's good when you do that. I like, to, I like the Pastor Martin to come out, it's good. He, he does occasionally. <laughs> um, it, was a, it was a funny thing that it was the first time we've had uh, yeah. a Catholic And you and guest. I feel that quite keenly actually, yeah. a kind of sense of, oh gosh, we've not noticed this. Yeah, well we're trying to put it right, so yeah. our next nine guests will all be Catholics. <laughs> so, uh, no, they won't. A Catholic nun, I'd love to interview a Catholic but, nun. But... Uh, but um, I, I actually think there's an interesting point to be made around um, the, 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 the new closeness between the Catholic Church and the rest of the Christian Church. Mm. Um, and uh, I've actually got an increasing number of friends who are Anglo-Catholic and don't see any problem with all of this. Mm. It's all one thing. Mm. Um, but, uh, but, but actually, 20 years ago, I remember in my youth group, um, 25 years ago, let's be honest. Uh, I remember in my youth group being told not to associate with the Catholic Church over the road. So I went to a yeah, Baptist church yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I was told Catholics aren't Christians. Yes. I remember very clearly being told that 25 years ago. Well, yeah. um, and so, uh, so actually that heresy has been mm. nicely corrected. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I feel like today's young people are growing up in a much more ecumenical mm. context, which is brilliant. And we have so much to learn from 
you know, uh, our Catholic brothers and sisters. Yes, and I, and I have to say that we, the, the kind of the language of spirituality and the language of, of even like the iconography and, and mm, looking mm. at how art is used is mm. so powerful mm, and so beautiful. Mm. I think you're right, gone are the days where we get a bit squeamish about, oh, yeah. there's a picture of God, what does that mean? When I was um, at a festival in Northern Ireland last summer, um, two Catholic nuns, fairly elderly actually, Catholic nuns from, from Ireland, from below Dublin, brought a load of teenage girls and camped with them and did the whole festival with them and absolutely loved it. So I think there's a lot more crossover, isn't there, actually? We're accessing each other's spaces and yeah. it's beautiful because actually it's all one space. You know it's where I'd most like to go oh. and most like to do a, a Youthscape podcast live oh, from? Oh, Rome! No, not Rome. Oh, what? <laughs> well, there's a context! Right, we can't go from doing a podcast in a hotel room to you and I going to Rome. <laughs> to Rome. Okay, so we can't do that. It's wait, not I, just the city of the Pope. I don't I know the answer. Oh gosh! I don't know what the answer. There are literally six men in this room who are all keeping us accountable. Um, six white men. <laughs> six white men. It's like a conference lineup from uh, two thousand and one. Right. So anyway, um, so uh, Taze. Oh yeah. Taze is where yes. I'd most like to go, and uh, I'd, I'd just love to go and experience that. And they 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 take young people on pilgrimage all the, all the time. I've spent some time with some young people actually who were in my. Youth, I, funny, uh, the church I uh, did youth work in for a, a long time, um, and it's still my church, but I don't do any youth work there at the moment. Um, they uh, have a great relationship with the local Catholic church, and wow. there are quite a lot of young people who who actually attend both churches oh, and both, both youth groups. Oh, lovely! And uh, and a number of them have been to Taze and just reported it's amazing. Um, do they so, say what it is that they like? Because it's oh, very contemplative prayer, yeah, isn't it's it? That, isn't community it? It's, it's all those kind of ancient things yeah. that you wouldn't expect young people would respond to, like silence and repetition and very brief, short liturgies that mm. you just say over and over mm. again. Um, and and it actually taps into something amazing with young mm. people. So let's all go to Taser. Yes. Let's do a Youthscape podcast road trip to Taser. Yes, that's brilliant. No, I'm really up for that. Can I bring my heels? No, I'm really up for that. That is brilliant. Well, I think we're at the end of another. I think we edition. are. We are, and um, there are showers to be had, and I've got to have a shower. forms to be signed, and spouses to be checked in with. So I, yeah, I think we. Is can he asleep, kind of... Jason? Well, Jason is in two doors down, two rooms down, and I think he's probably swimming because I think there's some... no. She's always oh, shaking her there's head. There's no pool. I said to my husband, I think there's a swimming pool here, and it was that that kind of got him here. For I don't the... think there's a pool. Oh dear. Hopefully Netflix is watching. Well, I think there's then. internet. Okay, that's fine. So yes. So fantastic. So friends, thank you so much for tuning in. And we want to do a few little shout outs, of course, don't we, to, before we go. To Lauren Cheshire. Lauren hello. Lauren Cheshire. Yeah, lovely big hello. To the Princeton Seminary uh, throng. Yeah. Is it a throng? I don't know what it is. An assembled throng. An assembled throng. Is that, I mean, you're blessing people today. So I think throngs Bless you. sound good. Bless the throng. And yes. um, thank the Lord for the art. And anyway. finally, can I just say, uh, we're still on the lookout. We're not begging. We're on the lookout for patrons. So if you go to patreon.com slash youthscape, you can sponsor us for about 75, 79, 70, whatever the current exchange rate is, a dollar a month. Yeah. Please and do that. And producer Rachel is doing some great additional stuff. Additional content. And, and we promise yeah. we don't use it to pay for hotel rooms. We don't, or muffins, or anything. It goes into the wires coffers, enabling us to do more of this kind of stuff. That's but it. I think, I think we're done. So, adieu, adieu, dear ones, and have a really good rest of the day, and tune in next week. <laughs>